Well, good afternoon from, from me here. Um, can I invite you to turn with me to Second Peter, uh, chapter 1. And this is the passage that we're going to be looking at um, this afternoon, verses 1 to 11. And I'll, I'll read it from the NIV translation. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord, and we thank him for it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please will you give the gift of preaching for the building up of the church and the calling out of your elect, for the instruction of your people and comfort and encouragement for all these good things. And may it be that we see Jesus and hear him and then glorify him through what we consider together just now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, raindrops on roses whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles, warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> Sound of music. Yeah, hands up if you got that one right. Yeah. Favorite things. In Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 7, we have a list of his seven favorite things the important qualities that he asks us to add to our faith. His favorite things are goodness, 
knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And I want us to look at these things. He says in verse 10, if you do these things, you will never fall and will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, one of Peter's major concerns in this letter is a fruitful and effective faith. He begins the letter in verse 1 by reminding us that faith is a precious thing. To those who, through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. It's a precious thing. It's so valuable. It needs to be cherished, nurtured, and developed. Faith is something we receive. Uh, We have received a gift of faith. Um, It's a gift from our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that gift doesn't come to us through our righteousness, he says, but through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if we are tempted to make odious comparisons between Christians of the present day who read this letter and the apostles of the past day, between our faith and their faith, Peter reminds us that the gift that we have of faith is no different between us, apostles or members that hear their message We have equally precious, equal value faith. However, as I said in in verses 5 through to 7, he's concerned that by faith and making every faithful effort that we can muster, we bring added value to our precious faith. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. To goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, brotherly kind, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. And what I want to do today is to, to open up together what these qualities mean and what they are. So what, what is he looking for when he says these seven things? And then to consider... Uh, how that work is done, where does the power for that come from, and maybe if we've got time to look at the encouragements for us to do it. So what's Peter looking for when he says these things? These are seven qualities or seven things he asks to add to our faith, to to supplement our faith if you take another translation. Or think about it this way, our faith is the the bare bones of the house, as it were. Um, These things add the furniture and the comfort and the usefulness to the house. We are saved by faith alone, through grace alone. But true faith never comes alone. True faith will always come with added things. It produces reality. James says, for example, that true faith is demonstrated by our works. He says that living faith produces works Faith without works is dead, he says. And Peter says in verse 8 that faith should be effective and productive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Without these things, our faith is lacking. And we are, as he says, we're both blind and nearsighted, or nearsighted and blind. So how can you be blind and nearsighted? Well, 
I think what he means by that is, without these things added to our faith, it's like we're only seeing what's right in front of us. We're nearsighted. We're not looking at the important things coming on to the horizon. And we're blind to the goodness of Jesus and the glories of Jesus and therefore have lost the um, motivation to become more like Jesus, to put our faith into practice. Peter says, without these things, faith is lacking. It's like a meal without any taste. Flavor needs to be added to it. It's like um, vegetables that have been so boiled, there's nothing good left in them. They need to be supplements, supplemented by vitamins. It's like having the most expensive car in the world sitting in your driveway and never going anywhere. Or like sitting in that car with the engine running, but the gears never engaged it's like a farmer who has a flock that never produces any lambs or a farmer who has a field that never produces a crop or seeds that he plants that never sprout. What is the point if you have faith but your faith is ineffective or unproductive? So our faith needs to be added to or else it's missing some really important vital things our faith needs to be supplemented with these things for it to be a healthy faith. So what I want to do is I want to look briefly, as it were, and speedily over each of these seven things. That's not a seven-point sermon. It's just one point of the sermon. Um, you could have a sermon on its own for each of these qualities. Um, but there is value, I think, in seeing the whole picture, as it were. So I'm just going to touch down, hopefully lightly and but just enough to bring out their flavor and to help us to see their meaning. First thing, and probably I think the most important thing, well, you can't say they're all, they're all in some ways of equal importance, but the first thing Peter adds to faith, what would you add to faith, first of all? If, you're, if faith was to demonstrate it, what would, what would you add to it? Well, he adds goodness. Faith without goodness is lacking. It's anemic. It's unhealthy faith. But then what does he mean by that word goodness? Is it moral goodness? Well, the ESV says he tr translates it with the word virtue. Um, and, but notice the reason why I've taken the NIV is I want to point out the, the, um, that there are, this word is reference to Jesus. That, that we see this word earlier in verse 3. Um, he has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. That's the goodness that we are to add to our faith. The ESV calls that excellence and then calls it virtue. Um, I think it's helpful to have them both together because it's what we see in Jesus that faith calls us to reproduce and practice. I think that's the point that Peter's making. So goodness, I would suggest, is faith made visible. Faith is an invisible reality in our hearts. But if that's the only place it stays, then it's lacking. It needs to be added to and manifested and shown out in the world by goodness done to others for the glory of God. The effectiveness of faith is seen in goodness in doing good 
Look again at verse 3. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. That describes Jesus not just as his moral excellence, but also his visible goodness in the good things that he did. Peter tells us in Acts 10, 38, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. Jesus went about doing good. When we believe in Jesus, we should produce with every effort the same kind of goodness towards others that Jesus showed to us in the gospel, to the sick and to the poor and to the needy, to be doing good things. When we see his excellence, his goodness and his glory, then we believe we are called to be like him. We are called to his goodness. And so we add to our faith that good work, both of witness to Jesus, and we add to that faith also the good works of helping the poor, of making society a better, fairer place, of bringing justice and righteousness in our communities, or the good work following our different, following our different callings and opportunities, um, to use them as opportunities to glorify Jesus and to do good things, whether you're a carpenter or a grocer or a teacher or a dentist or a plumber or a doctor or a politician, using your calling to glorify God and be good like Jesus through it to do the best best job that you can, that's adding goodness, I would suggest, to your faith, as well as speaking and testifying about God. Our good works are also to help the poor. See that in Acts, where that word is used. But, he says, goodness lacks direction and power without knowledge. Now, knowledge is a big thing for Peter, but he means different things um, by that word. He repeats it as two different words, actually, and, and repeats that, that theme in his letter. Look at verse two, um, 2. How is our grace and peace multiplied, made abundant? It's through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So there's knowledge about God or knowledge of God. Um, verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And then verse 8, if you have these things in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's an element of knowing the more we know of Jesus Um, then the more we want to be like Jesus. But I think knowledge is linked to these good works or goodness. Um, To direct goodness, we need knowledge. Jesus said at the end of his life, when he prayed his high priestly prayer in John 17, that he'd finished the work the Father had given him to do. He healed people, but not everybody was healed. He fed the hungry, but not everybody was fed. 
Um, there was a limitation to what one person could do at that time. And yet he finished the work. How did he do and finish the work? Because he had knowledge of what to do and when to do it. And so for us to be effective in our faith, we need to add to our goodness or our good deeds knowledge. Let's see where we are. But then knowledge um, needs to be supplemented with self-control. Um, As again, it's to know, because there's always going to be uh, more good things to do than, than we can manage, or more people to help that, that have need than we can help, um, which that's why knowledge needs to be supplemented with self-control. It's the saying yes to some things and no to others, self-control. Um, knowledge without self-control will always be lacking. It's a bit like, um, more like fireworks than explosives. They make big bangs, but fireworks make a big bang, make flashing lights, but they produce nothing but spectacle. Um, whereas self-control added to our knowledge is like a dynamite that can break stony hearts with the love of the gospel coming through to them um, when you know what to do and where to do it. I wonder if you know that hymn, Workman of God. Workman of God, O lose not heart, but learn what God is like, and in the darkest battlefield thou shalt know where to strike. Thrice blessed is he to whom is given the instinct that can tell that God is on the field when he is most invisible. Knowledge of God, and therefore knowing where to strike. Knowledge of God, and therefore knowing how to keep going when maybe he's not so visible. But then self-control that only lasts a little while but doesn't persevere is also lacking. So you need to add to self-control perseverance. We know we can become very easily weary in well-doing. That's why we need to add perseverance to self-control. It's not enough to say I've resisted the cream cake on Monday if I double up on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday all the way through to Sunday. Um, that's not self-control. <laughs> I mean, I've been self-controlled on one day, but um, self-control needs perseverance if it's going to call itself a diet. Um, however, keeping going, if that's all that your life of goodness is, just keeping going one step after the other in good works, then that's lacking too, because perseverance needs to be um, supplemented with a godly life. And by godliness, that, also, that includes, I believe, the work of goodness to other people or good works. But it's more than that. It's the life of faith together. It's, it's adding to your faith the Christian duties and responsibilities that we have for one another. It's being part of the community. It's part of the running of the church. It's praying together and worshiping together. It's encouraging one another. It's building one another up. It's visible faith in the faith community. That's godliness. Now, some people say, well, it's legalism. That's just legalism. You've got to be at church here and, and not there and all that kind of stuff. Well, just, we know just because some people are at the heart of things in the church community, that doesn't automatically mean that they have faith. However, a healthy faith, 
A faith that is not lacking will show itself in the desire and delight to be together. However, just doing godly things, being part of the church, running the fellowship, etc., if you have not love for one another in the fellowship, that also is lacking. It's so easy to become a secret grumbler. Nobody notices all the things I do. I'm never away from this place. Nobody appreciates me. Why am I doing this? It's such a bother. You moan about it to yourself. You can do good things for the church, for the fellowship, but do it in a joyless manner. And so we need to add to godliness love for one another. That should never be lacking, Peter says. This is one of his favorite things in the fellowship. You may not do everything well. Some, some of the things we do are less than perfect. But if you do little things with great love for one another, that's effective and productive and fruitful. But he's got one thing more. It's one thing to love the fellowship, but the most important end point of our faith is that it ends in love and deeper love for God, for Jesus, for our Heavenly Father. A love that never overflows with love to God is so lacking. And so then you, you take the whole sweep of things. You, you move from faith to love. And then back again to faith. And it's like a circle or a spiral that, that keeps coming round. Love, faith, knowledge, goodness, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love for God. And back again you go. If you have these things in increasing manner, he says, growing up manner. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of God. But then I want to encourage you to consider why or the reasons why and the power also to do these things comes from. What's the power that lies behind our faith? Well, notice in verse 5 he points back the way for this very reason Make every effort to add to your faith. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about one thing or two things, because he says for this reason, but he's talking about primarily, I believe, the fact that God, that Jesus' divine power has given us everything that we need to put these things into practice. Everything we need for life and godliness comes to us through our knowledge of him and his calling of us. Um, he calls us by and to his goodness. Um, it's when we see the goodness of Jesus, his kindness, his love, when we see that embodied in him, then that encourages us. It makes us not reluctant to follow him, but to desire and to delight to follow him and be like him. That's part of the power to do these things. And then 
through his glory and goodness, he's given us very great and precious promises. Adding to your faith is building up on those promises. It's making those promises real. It's one thing to have a check. (laughs) It's another thing to cash that check. You don't have them anymore, do you? It's one thing to have a promise of money. It's another thing to inherit that promise and, and use that promise. And so what Peter says is, look, here's the gift of the gospel, the gift of the Savior. He's God and man. And through union and fellowship with this God-man, this divine man, we participate in that divine power, that nature of Jesus, and therefore we escape corruption, but also move towards glory. Now for that reason, add to your faith. Now, adding to your faith itself is a work of faith. That's maybe a strange thing to say, but isn't it? You believe the promises, you believe the truth about Jesus, and therefore he says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, to add to what you believe. So it's a work of faith. Now, that's why I asked Chris to read that parable about the ten servants and the ten pieces of money, the mina. Sometimes that parable uh, is understood as being like the other parable, the parable of the talents, which is another uh, sum of money, as as being about how we use our gifts. Um, You know, some get the gift of music, so you've got to use that. Some get the gift of um, accounting, or some get the gift of service, and, and it's about using those gifts and therefore giving an account to God of how we've used our gifts. But I think it's, it's more profound and probably more accurate to see that parable of the ten miners as using the gift of faith, that it represents not gifts but faith that's been given to us. For what does the king say to the first servant? You have been faithful in a little thing. Here is your reward. And that too then makes sense of of what Jesus says at the end. To him who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. But to him who has will be given more. And so if what you have is faith or trust in Jesus and, and therefore trustworthiness, then to him who has, even more will be given. Look at verse 10 and 11. Be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. By how? By doing these things, adding to your faith. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Adding to your faith is a work of faith. And as we add goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love to God, to our faith, we'll never ever be shortchanged by God. Never. You will never fall. You will never receive less 
than you've put in. To him who, through faith, adds to your faith, you receive one minor of faith. And then, in life, turn that one by adding to it goodness into another ten. God will give you more. You will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But if you haven't, well, you're nearsighted and blind. You've forgotten that you've been cleansed from your past sins. And the little that you have, the reward will be taken from you. So here's both the warning and the encouragement. I don't know how many of us are rich. I mean, compared to many people in the world, we're really very well off. But when you start comparing yourself with other rich people in the West, not many people would say they're rich. I don't know how many people want to be rich either. But um, we make a big effort these days. Um, The government encourages us to provide for our future, to invest in a pension And who knows what it will be worth when you come to pensional age. And Peter is saying, look, these are these things, these qualities that if you invest in now, they will repay you far, far, far beyond you can imagine with a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How excellent he was in his goodness in his knowledge, in his self-control, in his perseverance, in his godliness, in his brotherly kindness, and in his love for his Father in heaven. How excellent he is. And even if we start to imitate him through faith in just a little Amount, Peter tells us, we will receive, in comparison to that, a fantastic wealth of welcome. You'll say, I recognize you. You look like Jesus. You've lived like Jesus. You've made every effort to turn that gift of faith into something added. You've set aside through being good to others and loving God at the end of all of that. You've set aside wealth for yourself in the eternal kingdom. So don't give up. Look to the encouragements, believe the promises, and make every effort, he says, to add to your faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, when we see what we are lacking, help us not to be paralyzed by that and do nothing. Help us to have that bold faith that sees our lack and our sin and says sorry, and that powerful faith that changes and follows you, and every time you fall down, picks itself up and keeps going. And though you fall a million times, you still get up a million times. And though 
we fail so often, still repent and keep going. And in all things, grow in the love for one another and the love for you. Help us to live this kind of life, Lord, that that we may show a few of your favorite things. Bring you pleasure, bring you glory, and bring us joy. In Jesus' name, amen.